0: Hit record, and we'll jump right in if that's cool of you. Let it, let's get back on our bullshit, hell as the it, kids say. Hell, is back on our bullshit. We, never, we were never off our bullshit. That's the no. thing. That's we the thing. never logged we off. Were, we never logged off. We don't log off. We won't log off. We won't log off. We will never log off. This is your Let's Fix Football. This is your host, Gabe Lesra. We will not log off. I don't even know how to log off. I don't even know what that even
1: means to log off. I won't log off. In some ways, stop telling me to log off. It might be better if we could log off, but we can't. And so we won't.
0: We won't. Uh, like
1: Miley Cyrus, we both cannot stop And because we cannot not. stop We and will we will not stop
0: And I don't care to uh, our haters As Ice-T said There's so much more out there for you to hate We will not log off I have a dream I will not rest Until I see nothing but baseball, get the last football, word, football the last basketball, last and hockey how they say park park. you're you so classy. I don't want my best dressed day in a casket. You can either leave nice. or, or He's incredible. Uh, everyone can him. He's, a a him. A He's a the day. best at on, on Twitter. It's <laughs> <course>. uh, <laughs> not Cho writes in to me, um, <laughs> and he just has a lot of really <laughs> important positive things to say about our Ronaldo piece, which was really well-received and I think people really liked the fact that we spent a lot of time focusing on the important aspects of the survivors and how to deal with trauma and uh, the legal aspects of the case and how how thoroughly we did it and I'm just going to I I'm just going to read a chunk of Kung's comes uh, uh, response to me he says by the way, Madrid won't even reach quarterfinal of UCL this year without your best player ever, and you will be lucky if you reach UCL spot in your league. Good luck with your season. Sincerely, go fuck yourself. So, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, any,
1: yeah, anytime you get someone to tell you to go fuck yourself despite, you know, from some random guy on the internet, it's so, a good day.
0: Yeah, so we're doing great. Um, we've had a huge... But in, in all seriousness, I, I did want to say we actually did get a huge amount of positive uh reaction from everyone uh who listened to this show yeah of course there were going to be some of the people who who um and i think evan it was one of your first real experiences with interacting with people who are fans of people
1: and not of teams yeah Uh, it was insane it's pretty crazy yeah, yeah, no, that, that blew me away. And and you kinda see it in the, the hate mail you just read, like people who just, you know, because of their particular tribal allegiance to like a dude, one dude, they just they just melt yeah. down and just decide to have the most regular day.
0: Yeah. Uh and send find my email, which uh genuinely I don't post. Like I, I don't have my email obviously available. I mean you gotta you gotta do a bit of dig I'm not saying it's not able, you can't find it. But it's yeah, like, I mean, you
1: can probably find anyone's email if you try hard enough, but like... The dude this, dug yeah, for this, yeah. and then he wrote two
0: pages of email, um, including something that we are going to talk about later. This is, by the way, your first of two Football Leaks episodes. Uh, I guess you call them in all the one of our Football leagues episodes, but these are the first of the two Football Leaks, uh, as we'll explain in a little bit has released a just a tremendous trove of data. This one is going to focus on the potential creation of a European Super League and some of the uh, legal niceties and, and intricacies that may come with that, what's going on there exactly, the, the the corruption involved and all that stuff. So that's this one. Next time we're getting into what I see as the much more interesting episode, episode, much more interesting topic legally, which is the question of how exactly the oil-rich countries are uh, using their mechanisms mechanisms of power to violate FIFA regulations, but also doing it with the willing consent of people from FIFA. And we're going to bring on, for end of the show, making his debut, a re- return after he was barred from being on our show, um, Ernesto Alvarado. Um, so very excited to have Ernesto on for next show. Uh, but before we jump into that, <clears throat> here's the thing, Evan, we've been off the air long enough that there's just been so much of our shit <laughs> that has gone the, down. That the, I, the
1: world has continued as normally stupid as it as it always has, and we haven't had a chance to, to check off all the stupid shit that has happened.
0: Yeah, and that's... So <laughs> I wanted to begin this episode by talking about something that's not about soccer, and that is that... Um, Football, American football legend Merrill Hodge has decided to become a chronic traumatic encephalopathy truther by releasing what is the equivalent in this, in his sport of the tobacco industry releasing a book saying, think you really think that cigarettes give you cancer? Well, who's behind those studies? And it's, and I'm not kidding, called hashtag brainwashed, the truth about CTE.
1: No, oh, it's amazing. So here's the thing, like, I, I was furious when I first started reading about this. But then I realized that, you know, what is actually, like Merrill Hodge getting to the bottom of the CT studies and seeing that really it's just a bunch of people who, who are interested in their research grants, um, I... I myself looked inward to try to figure out why was I so mad about Merrill Hodge. And it, 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 I think it's because I'm mad that I didn't think of this amazing scam first. I totally agree with that. And it's upsetting to me that we both had that reaction to this. Because such a good scam. Like you, you don't get to be the second guy who writes this book and make any money, right? But if you're the first dude who writes this book, you get all the hate attention and you get the interview circuit and you're going to get people to buy your book. He's going to make a fuck ton of cash off of this stupid, skinny And he, and he skinny already book.
0: has a lot of money and he so he's like selling – Selling this scam to people, and it's and people are going to be buying it up because they want to believe it, right? You want to believe that actually, everyone telling you that you know American football turns your teenager's brain to mush at age 35 is actually fake. Uh, because you want your kid to be maybe a professional football player one day. You want them all to be lying and be part of some sort of huge agenda against you. So if you can come up with the the agenda, you're the guy that all these people are going to buy their books from. God damn it.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's an amazing scam. And, and it, it's such a... It, It's such a – I don't know, such a cynical and transparent scam too. Like I read – they they posted I think an an article that I – either it is the introduction to the book or it's basically a summary of the book. So what the introduction would be and like Hodge like goes into – how you know at first i believed all this stuff and then i started you know i started talking to other doctors who were skeptical and and did you know that these people are getting grant money to do these this research yeah. and and they wouldn't get more grant money which is by the way the same thing that climate deniers always talk about it's like oh well, you only you know you won't get the grant money if you uh, right. If you write something against climate change and you know obviously that grand money goes right in your pocket. But what's amazing is he then relies super heavily on this one doctor from the same hospital who presumably is going to be paid for his participation in this book, which is even Handsomely. more directly – even more directly, a private benefit than any of the doctors who are purportedly writing this research, only because of the grant money, it will get them.
0: It's amazing because, like people who are all, who are scamming you, are always talking about other people who are scamming you, and. The way that they may like, cast doubt on other, like, the way that they run their scams is to call other things a scam. Like, I'm the one telling you the truth. It may look like I'm scamming you. It may look, it may seem like everyone in the NFL and the like, everyone who is invested in this not being a thing, is paying me to say this. It may look like that, but in reality, the doctors, those famous scam artist doctors. Those are the ones that are actually scamming you and not me and this weird grift, obvious grifter doctor who is definitely also being paid millions of dollars off of the profits of this book definitely we're not, we're the ones telling you the truth. Just like Dr. Oz goes on TV and he's like, everyone don't listen to your doctors. Listen to, they're all lying to you because they don't want you to know about this incredibly brilliant brain pill that makes you a hundred percent smarter and you will never have to go back to the doctor. And don't worry that I own
1: 50% of the company. Yeah. What's amazing is, and, and, and what really I think indicates just how much of a You know, humongous scam this is. Like how much of a cynical play for cash this is. Is like there's a you could imagine a world right where someone goes on the Atlantic you know, the magazine and writes a thoughtful article about, you know, how media coverage of the science has been alarmist. And I bet you, you could write an article that a lot of scientists would agree with, right? Because scientists tend to hate science journalism and think that, you know, it gets the studies wrong. It doesn't, you know, it does, there's a lot of qualifiers in scientific studies. Like, you know, I bet you get a lot of the doctors to be like, yeah, you know, every time we publish, we put a disclaimer about what we don't know and what we think we do know. And, you know, the, the do, the, you know, the don't knows never makes it into the article. Like I bet you there's a thoughtful piece in there somewhere that a lot of doctors would agree with. But that's yeah. not what Merrill no. Hodge wants, right? No, no, that, no, no. Yeah, Merrill Hodge wants to say, no, these guys are fucking scam artists, quacks. And, uh, you know, and, and they're just swimming in grant money. I love, by the way, just the concept that there's this huge <laughs> personal benefit in getting like NHS grants.
0: Yeah, as if um, that is like going to real really do it for you. Like
1: you, you yeah. get an NHS grant, you're set for life. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It's just oh, it's really high God, end what stuff. Is, high like, end is stuff. He, does he still work for ESPN? Yeah, pretty sure.
0: God, yeah, what a, I know,
1: I know. Yeah, speaking of ESPN other ESPN analyst, yeah, Jesus, fuck him.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, and and frankly, fuck all of the NFL. I mean, this it's amazing that we. And I wanted to start with the NFL on this episode because we're talking about FIFA, and ultimately, I would rather have the NFL running FIFA. 100 out of 100 times FIFA is the most corrupt Most blood drenched sports Organization in history It is awful But the NFL is actually With this CTE denialism Is going to get up there if they keep doing it Like if this, if instead of like Oh well we actually are going to try to improve safety They go, they say Oh actually uh, we're going to take the position of the tobacco companies or of like the, the the fossil fuel companies and just pretend this isn't actually true and push back and create our own fake studies or whatever uh, and and create our own shit, then they're actually going to end up in a situation where they're never going to deal with the fact that they are have peddling a sport that kills people.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't see the NFL going that way for a couple of reasons. One is that they're already pretty far down the road of like – may a over yeah. CT they're not all the way there but they've you know all their messaging has been like oh yeah we take this seriously and then to try to slow ball you know yeah. slow walk it yeah, in private really. and I think it's hard to go back on that and then I think second I think they already have big settlements out there for retired players they're gonna have more and you just look at what the tobacco settlements were you look at what big pharma is probably going to be paying in the next couple of years over opioid crisis. Like there is a huge consolidated lawsuit. It's going to take, yeah. Yeah. Just absolutely crush them. Like from a legal risk perspective, the NFL's like all of their incentive, I think is to, is to play along. could completely to the contrary of Merrill Hodges incentives, which is just to make shit up and pocket yeah. like $2 million right now. Uh, in terms of, other like amazingly funny stuff that doesn't really have a segment
0: in the show. Um, Shout out to the crazy conspiracy theorist person who saw an image of someone in the quote unquote migrant caravan wearing a Real Madrid shirt that said fly Emirates uh, and thought that that was proof that there was terrorists coming to the United States. Shout out to you.
1: That's, that's, that's some high level shit. Yeah. It's, that's some galaxy brain Really really uh, high uh, culture, shit. The lack of cultural awareness
0: right there. <laughs> uh but Evan, so one of the things that uh i think is is worth mentioning is that over the last you know it's been the hundredth anniversary of the uh uh, uh of world war one uh yeah. and I think that it'd be really cool if you uh, as the history buff, I know you're preparing a absolutely, I'm really excited, History Podcast. I think it'd be really cool if you would tell us a little bit about um uh, about the history of World War One and why this week is particularly significant. Um, Obviously, if you're in America, probably the only thing you know about it is the fact that our big, wet president decided not to go to uh, a memorial for dead troops because it was drizzling. But in uh, England, if you're listening to this, you probably see the poppies, so... What's going on? What's up with World War One, Evan? Um, and and why is this particular moment in time such an important one? And what's its relationship to soccer?
1: Yeah, so, you know, this... I think I'm not an idiot, escape. by the way. I just want to be clear. I'm trying to frame the question. <laughs> so he's he's te- teeing it up, teeing it up. Um, so it's the 100th year anniversary of the uh, the armistice ending World War I. Uh, so there were a lot of ceremonies and celebrations in, uh, you know, across really across the world, but in particular across Europe, and, and a lot of reflection about how, you know, how World War One changed, uh, changed Europe, um, changed world history, kind of the tragedy of the war, I think was front and center um, in a lot of it. And kind of in our own let's, f- fits, uh, let's uh, fix football uh, recognition, I think we wanted to talk about Sort of a uh, you know a brighter moment that some people probably know about, but uh, in which soccer kind of intersected with World War One, and and that's actually you know the the, the Christmas truce in in 1914. Um, there were more than one Christmas truce, but but the big one was 1914, yeah. the first year of the war. Um, it was a you know spontaneously on Christmas, uh, soldiers on different parts of the Western Front uh, refused to fight. And they got out of the trenches and they um, congregated in no man's land and they, you know, they, for lack of a better word, fraternized for, uh, for you know, that day. And one of the big things that was reported from several of the different sites was that they played, you know, soccer matches. And I just think that you know the, whole, the entire phenomenon of the Christmas truces is, is incredible and it's moving yeah. and it. Um, but in particular the way that you know these German and British and French. Uh, troops who are, you know, at each other's throats. They want to kill each other. They don't even speak each other's language. But the thing that is able to bring them together uh, is, you know, a game of soccer. Um, and, and it's just kind of this amazing human moment and it shows in a way that we've talked about before the way that sports, it's not, you know, it is entertainment, but it's also, you know, it's more than that. It's the shared cultural phenomenon that even, you know, across a battlefield could, you know, bring people together. It's just a, a really cool thing to remember. I think while we're reflecting on the war and everything that was terrible about the war to also think about this kind of this, right. this bright moment. And, uh, I mean, on, Another thing
0: I would add is that it shows the utter uh, sort of all encompassing destruction that and and kind of pointlessness of the First World War. And I think um, I don't mean pointlessness in that people lost their lives for, for no reason. What I mean is that the First World War is, is something I would encourage people to go and research because what it shows is some of the dangers of the current moment and what can happen when we we get dragged as a as a world into a place where we we you know can do this to each other without having some sort of evil and uh, over encompassing evil on any any side like th- this is a war of naked aggression and imperialism, but it's not a war where there was an obviously correct side. It's a war that was really just a war of, 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 in my opinion, of, of power between a number of, you know, aspirant like, you know, dynasties. And what, what it shows is the humanity of the actual people in the trenches fighting this war where they, 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 could understand each other on such a fundamental level as, and as, and recognize each other as humans through this sport and through this, this common shared cultural understanding. Uh, and it shows that really this, this war was being brutally and horribly and, and powerfully pointless uh, to the extent that, that these people could just, you know, take a day off And just play soccer with each other. And it shows both the power of soccer and the utter brutal pointlessness of this, one of the greatest horrifying mass slaughters in in human history. It's I know this is a depressing kind of turn to the show, but... I I do think it's worth remembering, and and, and actually Armistice Day is something that the United States doesn't think about very much, but it it is something that I know our European listeners know, uh, either with a little bit of an annoying eye roll because they see their MPs all wearing the poppies, or because, you know, you actually is still sort of feeling the effects of these two massive wars uh, many years later, and at a time of rising nationalism and 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 forces that that seem beyond our control that that separate our politicians and the people in charge at a very very high level the people at the ground on our level I mean if this happens we would be the people playing soccer we would not be the people making this decision and we have to remember and that's why we have to make sure that that never happens again (laughs) sorry about the getting a little emotional but I I I you know, one of the things that, uh, additionally, Evan, I'll just say, one of the things that I hated about the Wonder Woman movie was that they said it in World War One, because right. World War One, you know, there, this is not a war of, <laughs> that was not a war of a, a good and evil, really. Um, do you know what is also depressing, Evan? Go
1: what's that game.
0: <laughs> this is the worst transition ever. It's so Ch- good. I know, Ch- I know where you're going. As Chad well. Johnson.
1: God, Chad, Chad, Johnson. Chad Johnson. Chad Johnson's
0: in a sad place, Gabe. He's struggling. Uh, Chad Ochocinco has been trying for the last couple years to get into soccer, professional soccer. <laughs> I respect the crap out of him because, you know what? He's going for it. He's taking his shot. Uh, he's tried out, as I understand, for a team. He's done all this stuff. Uh and he can't really quite make it there. Uh, and Evan, I was just hoping you would read some of his tweets
1: about I it. I am. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so this this absolutely amazing tweet that Chad Johnson put out. I really suck at soccer with the ball at my feet. It's always extremely frustrating. My footwork refuses to translate to the soccer field. Watching Neymar on YouTube and trying to emulate what I see against my kids. It hasn't helped one fucking <laughs> bit. What's the point of being fast with no skills? Crying emoji. Buddy. Buddy. Oh. Buddy. It, what depresses me? Like, I this tweet literally made me feel, like, sad for a second. Like, there's some tweets that make me feel happy for a second. <laughs> like, anything that Thoughts of Dog tweets. Yeah. Um. Something's made this one just legitimately just, just took the wind out of my sails. I'm like, here's a dude who's a borderline Hall of Fame wide receiver in the NFL. Had a great it's a career. A great career. A great career. Like, I guess he might not make the Hall, but I think he. I think he was. He was one of those dominant wide receivers of his era. He was incredible. He also. Hang on, hang like, on, hang on. We have a follow up though. Remember, and the follow up is this. He says, someone said,
0: keep practicing, man. It'll come. And Chad. And I swear to God, Chad responds, you don't understand. My body is used to one speed, and I keep trying to make the ball and my feet become one, and it never fucking works. I had practice this morning with Boca Raton FC, and it really dawned on me I'd have to be reborn again to get the hang of this shit, and that sucks.
1: And I just, you know what? I feel for him, man. I I know. Well, I mean, I feel like, I I think it's... It's clear, right, that this is a guy who – like you don't play, I think. I don't think you have an NFL career the way he did without at some point loving American football, right? You don't. But this is a guy who's clearly looking back on his entire life and thinking, God, I wish I played soccer instead. And like it bums me out to no degree to think that someone can have such an unbelievably successful career in like their first love I guess and then still look back and think, well, I was a failure. I just, and it, it bums me out, bums me out, sorry.
0: Uh, you know it doesn't bum me out, though, and this is, we're just doing, blasting through our on-brand shit, but the most on-brand Let's Fit Football shit that happened, possibly. No, I, the second thing we're going to talk about after this has happened, e- even worse, but even more on us, but Cristiano Ronaldo, Selena Gomez, in a beef, on Instagram,
1: Boom! This one confused me. I and it, it's not. It wasn't even like necessarily them. It was their like Instagram supporters got into a beef. It owns.
0: This is and my like, favorite thing that we've done on this show, other than discover Registability.
1: This I was like the next him. the next step in my education of like how people stand certain celebrities. Yeah. Right. was like first I saw people really freak out when we said that maybe Cristiano Ronaldo might have some moral problems. Yep. Um, But then I saw the Selena Gomez-Cristiano Ronaldo beef and I just – it is just – I can't even fathom caring enough about a person to get into an argument about who who is the more successful (laughs) Instagram celebrity. (laughs) Okay. So – For background, uh, Cristiano
0: Ronaldo dethroned Selena Gomez on Instagram in terms of followers. He now has, this is going to bum me out, but Selena Gomez has been in the top spot since 2016. Cristiano Ronaldo took over. He now has... 144 million three hundred and five thousand one hundred and sixty-four Instagram followers. Two Selena Gomez's one hundred and forty-four million three hundred and four eight hundred and fifty-seven followers. I I mean those numbers make me want to just actually hang myself, but I'm I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna blast past that and just make fun of the fact that we have legitimate beef in the comments to that tweet where, for example, Selena Gomez, Anna, at Selena underscore Swift. Boom. I bet you know who her two favorite artists are. Anna says, Selena Gomez is the second most listened to person in the world on Spotify. Uh, tank Crave. Penalty dethrones Selena Selena, and tanked Crave publish OK Trash. Karma is real. Anyways, <laughs> Selena is the person who uses the Instagram the least and remains the queen. She has not released an album for three years uh, and is about to dethrone Drake. Stay pressed. Uh, to which someone called at Golaso Cristiano says... Selena fans listening listing Spotify rankings, El Mal, wake me up when Selena scores back to back hat tricks on Champion League knockouts against Bayern and Atleti.
1: It's just it's just the idea of citing these incommiserable stats against each other is probably, like this is it. This is peak internet. We've done it. <laughs> the we've, reached the, we've reached the shut end.
0: it down. This is so this reminds me, Evan, of the greatest internet beef of all time, which is not this, but it's a internet beef from the sort of early internet. And the headline is Man who married Twilight uh no, not Twilight uh my little pony character Twilight Sparkle sues erotic pony artist for defamation.
1: Oh, I think I remember that.
0: Yeah, that is that <laughs> is the peak of the internet, and it actually has been all downhill since a real person filed a lawsuit saying that the person making anime porn of the anime <laughs> character he married was defaming <laughs> the anime character
1: he married. Right. And that, and now we're on the downward slope and we're at the place where, you know what, this is
0: back up. This is another crest,
1: man. This, this this is a big, good fight. This is a
0: rally. This is a rally for the internet.
1: This this is this is sports fans saying yeah well has your has your favorite artist ever scored a hat trick in the Champions oh, League oh yeah and like yeah well how many top singles does Cristiano Ronaldo have the <laughs> <points>. answer none <laughs> none of them strong points on both ends though now, to Sergio be fair. Ramos, though he he is actually he, so he's playing for this fight right
0: yeah he is he is he is he can be, it's because his fans can be like by the way he also has a top album bitch. Right,
1: One won Champions League's and also is at least on Spotify.
0: I, uh, you know what? I think Cristiano Ronaldo does have songs. I, I have no, to. I, like, I look. I can't. I can't guarantee that. I have to do a little <laughs> research on it. But would it surprise you if he had, he had released an album? I don't yeah. think so.
1: No, it I sounds mean, we've like got, something we do, right? Put an album out. We've got. We've got. Alexi Lalas has a. Fuck- band uh, with like four albums Alex out. Alexi
0: Lawless has a multiple album band. So yeah,
1: he's been, you know, basically doing, you know, remixes of Goo, Goo Dolls for, for 15 years. All right.
0: Um, we're about to transition into actual football leagues talk. So I think the best way to do that is to kind of ease you all in. And the best way to ease you all in is to go back to our classics. RG, Registability, guess what, folks? He has stuff to say about football leagues. So he says, do not fall for the recent propaganda coming out of football leagues. There are indeed clubs circumventing FFP, but the policy is merely the work of a traditional aristocracy seeking to maintain power. And that, my friends, is your preview for next week's episode where we will legitimately discuss that tweet in depth, but I wanted to bring up RG because my friend, he got into a fight with another hilarious person on Twitter who we have not talked about. And this is the ballad of Tancredi Palmieri who, and I, I I don't know where to begin with him. He is an actually semi-respected journalist. Don't know how I, but he, for example, has this gem. Barcelona are staring at Inter box, like young male porn star does at the MILF main star of porn movie. Absolute, just high-end soccer analysis. Uh, but, and and I would encourage you to just go and find any of his numerous tweets. He includes shit where he just sings out loud. Uh, he, I mean... It is ridiculous. It's a lot in Italian, but it's still funny as hell. When he tweets in English, it's amazing. Here's another recent one. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Not only Cristiano shows abs now, he even look at them and brags about it. Next goal celebration, he is going to doing helicopter with
1: penis. (laughs) It's such a stupid tweet.
0: It's such a stupid tweet, but it's, you know, it's pretty funny also. I mean, like, I, I mean, like, as, as someone who, like, we make jokes on this show, we do a joke, we do jokes sometimes, it's kind of a funny joke. No,
1: Yeah, no, we all, I mean, we love stupid tweets, we make stupid tweets, we make stupid jokes, so, like, it's not necessarily, yeah. like, a, yeah. it's not really, yeah. like, a, a critique that a stupid tweet, <laughs> but it's such a dumb tweet.
0: It really is, but... Guys, the reason we're bringing this up, we reason we brought Registability up is because he replied to he it. Has, he has things to say about it. He has this. things to say about it. Registability said, disgraceful comment given the recent events in Leicester, which is a classic Registability thing in that it is incredibly rude and tone deaf because not – he is uh, assuming that Tancredi Palmieri's stupid tweet is about – or in any way related to the death of the owner of the Leicester city FC in a helicopter crash when obviously it has nothing to do with that. And he was just trying to get a rise out of his own fans and get people angry because that's what reduced ability does, but get ready bitch because you met your match in Tancredi Palmieri ready for this response. I think you're ready for this response. Tancredie Palmieri says, are you fucking kidding me? Really? Someone has written something about the word helicopter? I pity him and his poor mind condition. <laughs> his mind condition. Repi- replying to himself, wait, this guy's a psychologist? quote, regularly featured on Bleacher Report, (laughs) (laughs) unquote. That is such a good own. He's a psychologist, someone who dared to relate Lester to the fact that I use word helicopter only for a bunch of likes, as if he would be a 14-year-old looking for easy appreciation. My God. Hell yeah,
1: Ted Crady. Drag him, King. He just I mean, he he got right to the heart of it and just dragged RG. for just just cynically driving those interactions just in the in the most just oh the most shameless way. That being said, and, and and that
0: being said, RG. is an absolute scumbag. He has nothing to say about this helicopter crash. Uh, the idea that he would tr- ever make fun of anyone or complain that anyone said anything about this shit. He said, and I quote, helicopter pilot was a woman. That's all. That's what he said about it. Boom. So really, really good. He's a huge piece of shit. Tancredi Mary. I am so, th- I will fucking suit up to fight team- with Team Tancredi. I'm ready. Let's go, baby.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we might, I mean. Poster. We might not be able to get down with the, uh, the Christiana versus Selena beef, but this beef, hell yeah. This beef. We have sides. I
0: will see. I will suit a team here down for this shit. Let's go. Uh, and with that, it's time to talk about football leagues. This is exactly what I wanted. We've got about half hour in, we've got about half hour of, um, high end football stuff to talk about. So, um, I'm going to keep in for managing Madrid listeners. Hi, this is sort of what, um, let's week's football is like, uh, I'm keeping in the bit about Tancredi Palmieri and, and RG because you got to know something about our show. If you don't like that, that's cool. But here's the, here's the part you're going to like. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about football leagues. And I think the best thing to, to talk about with football leagues to start it off is just to remember that angels do exist in this world and we are blessed by their presence and by God every single day. And in that, N'Golo Kante is an angel brought to earth so that we can enjoy him football Leaks has revealed that N'Golo Kante refused a tax evasion scheme from from Chelsea FC and insisted on just
1: having a normal salary yeah yeah he this so this story is like freaking weird because it's it, it, what it, what it seems to imply is that Chelsea has, as a normal arrangement, they set up over, you know, offshore accounts and trusts for their players, and they use these to pay them their, you know, ridiculous weekly salaries. And it appears that such a trust was set up for Ningolo Conte, who then at a later date said, No, just give me a paycheck. Yes, that is what happened. So uh, there's some ambiguity because people that have been like hitting Conte for like oh he went along with it at first like who knows what he knew no no chance that that's true.
0: Do not talk about my beautiful
1: (laughs) angelic, beautiful angelic child like that. You cannot say that. I mean, people are saying it. I'm just bringing it up. I I tend to believe that what probably happened is he, you know, filled out all his paperwork, found out what was happening. And it's like, no, oh, just give me a salary. So, just give me a salary. I want to make talking about. I mean, he
0: was I mean, N'Golo Kante.
1: He's just such a pure soul.
0: Just what? I mean, he's just such a good person. And I'm so glad that we got to open this show talking about him because. The rest of this is just not gonna be <laughs> not gonna be about that. Um so let's talk quickly, Evan, about why football leagues I mean we've mentioned why generally um we, we respect and trust them, but in our Cristiano Ronaldo episode we talked about why we trusted the football leagues that related to Cristiano Ronaldo. In this case, the it's just all of that on top of the fact that the European Investigative Consortium, which is including uh, papers of record and wire services, right? It's not just Der Spiegel, which is was what was doing the research in the Ronaldo case, which is a great and 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 a famous paper of record in Germany, one of the best in the world. Seriously, uh, it's not just Der Spiegel. This is a consortium that includes a number of Spanish papers, Portuguese, French papers. Uh, and it includes Reuters uh, and the Times of London. So this is a consortium of journalists, all of whom analyze and, and look at these data together. This is – I I could not be more certain in the veracity of the documents in these series of leaks from football leagues.
1: Yeah, I mean I think that it, it was a really smart move to to get – this can store some together because what you're dealing with is some of, you know, a group of the most respected media organizations in the world. You know, that's effectively what we're dealing with here. Like, you know, outside of some of the American, you know, institutions that are not included for obvious reasons of not giving a shit. Um, yeah, big old no, don't care. <laughs> big old New York Times don't care. Um, you know, this is about as big as it gets. Like you, these are not tabloids, right? That's the point that everyone's trying that, that the, that's the point of bringing these people together is that this isn't a tabloid looking for clicks. You know, this is, you know, serious, serious journalists and serious newspapers trying to get to the truth of what's going on. And I think that you need that kind of credibility when, and, and and prestige, when you're going to go in on trying to take down or, or skip, cast some serious questions about some really freaking powerful yeah. people. So,
0: and I think it's just time now to 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 bring up the unbelievably bootlicking article written by Gabriele Marcotti Sp- of uh, yeah, ESPN's
1: Powerful People,
0: right? Real power player here. Um so he wrote an article basically being like, "Oh, there's no big deal. No, everyone look away." Uh, and in it he did a he he made a bunch of I think the the I think the the nice way of saying this is he made a, a a series of nuanced statements, but in reality, what he was doing was casting aspersions on these documents. Which I am confident and and I know I'm protected by free speech laws in this country. Fine, but I'm confident in saying that these documents are correct, and I I have I believe very seriously in these in these documents to the extent that. I would never use, for for example, this phrase. While some documents have been questioned for their authenticity, none, in parentheses, thus far, have been proven, proven false, faked, or forged. And I'll just leave it at that. That is a materially true statement. It is not the way that a serious person looking at these documents and looking at these reports would treat this. These this is a much more serious thing than just nothing's been proven fake yet. Uh, they get this through a through a, uh, there's been a hack. And basically when we talk about hacks, we talk about a number of different things. We're not talking about like swordfish style, like, like, uh, 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 Hugh, uh, Hugh Jackman in that fucking movie that, that owned, you should all watch it. Um, where he like, puts a code into the CIA while getting a blowjob from some you know, model and then he hacks everyone's data. No, it's, these hacks are normally like Edward Snowden. Someone who has access to this data decides to download all of it and give it to people. And that's essentially what we have here. We have, And they've also said we have multiple secure sources. So it's not just one source. It's not just one hack. It's a number of people hacking and then confirming the data, um, but ten. Um, but Gabrielli Marcotti says, "Does this seem plausible?" He asked. Not really.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, this is when it just started to really rile me, right? Because he's going to do this a few more times through the uh, through the article, where he's going to set something up and just completely shrug it off. Yeah. He just compl- he just makes this base assumption that there wouldn't be people within the football world who would have access to information who would be pissed off about what that information was and would want to call a journalist. regardless regardless of the fact that in every institution across the world this is how investigative journalists yeah. get their shit this is, right? uh, this is how it works this is we had it works. somebody we had somebody in the White House write an op ed from the White House <laughs> saying <laughs> that they were trying to obstruct things like they were presumably hired by the president. It is. This
0: is exactly right. Um, so what we're talking about, though, is the one of the to- a topic that we've been talking about a lot on this show, which is the theoretical European Super League. And that's sort of what these documents show. And one of the things that's very interesting to me about these documents, and this is where all you Managing Madrid listeners will be interested to know, is that one of the big minds behind this pot- potential European Super League is Real Madrid president Florentino Perez. Now Florentino Perez has been a mover and shaker in this for a while. I think he sees uh the American model as a better way to make money overall, I think for his team than the current European model. And it's hard to disagree with him. I think that being said, I wildly think this would be a terrible idea. Um, we can get into the kind of uh uh I think we can get into the legal niceties of this later, but the basic idea would be this: there would be a team of about you know anywhere from over the years it's changed from like twelve to twenty seven uh teams they would play both a regular season and then a american style playoffs at the end of the season uh which would culminate in some sort of Super Bowl. It is a good revenue model. It makes sense. That's why the Americans did it. Uh, the problem is that there is a obviously a huge amount of pushback. And one of the things that was really interesting to me, Evan, is the way that it got reported as if almost FIFA is some sort of good organization that is only opposing the, the the Super League because it's stupid. So, for example, Gabe Fernandez, who's a good, good journalist, who I enjoy, wrote, report, not even FIFA wants to back this stupid European Super League. But the thing is,
1: the European Super League would have nothing to do with FIFA, Evan. Yeah, it, and that's a, which is actually a very good reason that FIFA d- would be against it, right, is because it would be its own thing. And I think FIFA has a lot of constituents, you know, capital – bound up with the local associations and local associations, you know, the football association in England, in Spain, like those are the guys with the least, with the most to lose in the Super League situation. They're also the guys who vote on who, you know, has power in FIFA. Right. Um, And so, and so it's a very bad thing for FIFA when you consider who the stakeholders in FIFA are. The
0: stakeholders Um, and the, and uh, the people, again, FIFA is a quote unquote nonprofit. That's the most corrupt thing ever. Uh, the people that are actually getting all of those, you know, uh, apartment in Trump Tower for $10,000 a month, apartment in Trump Tower for your cats type of deals, those fat people who died on the toilet, uh, they don't want this. That in, No, that by itself makes me want to support it. But the problem is that I actually don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> and I think that one of the things that we get lost a little bit in talking about this is whether this is actually a good idea or not. Like practically,
1: I don't, I don't like this idea of him. Yeah, no. I, so I think it's a bad idea. I, I think that, you know. <sighs> Yeah, I I come at it from a couple of different angles. The one is like you mentioned, it's kind of more the American model. And I think that's right. Right. So it would be relying on this idea that people I think I think intrinsic in the idea of the Super League is the idea that people can kind of be a fan of two different teams. Right. They'll have the kind of their big Super League team and then they'll have their local team. And they'll support both. There'll be different competitions and they'll have fun and it'll be more money for everybody, just more soccer. And that's kind of a thing that happens in the US in American football. In between, you know, a lot of people watch college football and they also watch NFL football. So there's a higher level that makes a ton of money, there's a lower level that also makes a ton of money. But I don't think you can just recreate yeah. what has been made through a lot of historical contingency in the US. Uh, you know with it, that developed very organically, and and those fan bases are very organic, and the way what people come to expect from them are very different. Like you're not going to create that no. in in Europe. What you're going to do is you're going to create very very clearly a first division and a second division. And you, you, the the practical effect is, you're going to eviscerate the national leagues, right? The national leagues are just going to become, you know, they're going to become second, you know, secondary division, second, second division, you know, second division things. They're going to become basically farm teams for the teams in the Super League um you know the, you assume that you have 3 english teams in the super league right you'll probably have a london team and you'll probably have the two manchester teams um, and Liverpool, so you know, maybe you're going to find two to four teams out of England, probably, right? Um, yeah, I saw you know, up it, to five. I mean, it just the composition is depends. Is right? It just almost depends. doesn't matter, is but, the thing. But what? But what's going to happen? Yeah, what's going to happen regardless of how many there is 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 you know the English Football Association League, whatever the Premier League becomes, would just become a farm league right. for for those teams, and it's right. it's just going to radically change what those uh, so, what those competitions look like.
0: The money that they're talking about, though. At least that this guy, uh, 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 Charlie uh, Stilitano, (laughs) uh, has been saying uh, that they could make is absolutely insane, Um, which each club
1: making over 500 million euros a year. And like that might be true, like that might possibly be true, Um, but I think that the reasonable reaction like it's a reasonable reaction to say that yeah you know the the 12 or the 15 or the 20 teams that would be involved might make out like bandits but you know the precious thing that is football in europe as we know it right. would would be drastically degraded right so many rivalries yes. rivalries degraded. so much of the fan experience so many things that we love as football you know it doesn't have anything to do with the bottom line like yeah i think i would like soccer less if this happened me too. i also think that i would watch the super league yep. and so the fact that the teams would make money off of me watching it doesn't mean i like it You know, it's not democratic in that sense, like in that B because I watch it means I'm voting for it. Uh, So, yeah, they make money off of me. Uh, but I also prefer being able to still see. You know, I like the class. You know, I'm a Premier League fan. I like to see. You know, Tottenham have to you know have to go play the the you know cliche cold night in Stoke, right? I think that that's fun. There's a you know there's a, a a history to it to you know the physical cold rainy gross ugly soccer matches they have to play yeah. in, in a small stadium in the middle of nowhere. Like these are fun. These well, are you know, facets of the game. The,
0: one of the most exciting things in the history of sports is a reason why this shouldn't this this can't be allowed and that's Leicester winning the title like the Super League would never that would never be a question It would just be which one of the different giants is going to win it this year and you know frankly yeah recently over the last few years the title has been won by like you know mainly clubs from spain where i get it like i'm a real madrid fan i know that and i know that that's not ideal for the sport but that is not going to be true this year i'd be willing to wager most of my money that a team from spain is not going to win this year and fat like frankly these leagues go through different cycles of dominance and you know sometimes they the league make bad business decisions in selling their media rights and i think that part of what the clubs at the top want to be able to do is to take control of that those deals where they say well you know we can negotiate that our our our, our i think that city got really got fucked with this and that's why they've been in such a, such trouble that so we've you know they made a bad deal and so the clubs aren't getting as much money so they couldn't pay for the highest end talent um and so they have been in the dumps, basically. Uh, and we'll talk more about some of the other things in this, in these revelations, uh, you know, because one of the reasons that uh, the, the teams, I think, are turning to a Super League, Evan, is because they're seeing sovereign wealth funds and entire nations put their budgets behind teams and thinking, well, we can't compete. And the only way we could possibly compete is if we're in some sort of Super League. Uh, yeah, and I, and, and I, mean, I get
1: that impulse. So do I. But, like, there's different ways to react to the sovereign wealth, to, you know, cutter coming in and spending, you know, 6% of their GDP on Manchester City. And, you know, yeah, one way is you just secede from that and you get more control, more bargaining power. You make more money and, you know. And you can fix it that way. And and I get it from like a Real Madrid perspective or even a Liverpool perspective. Like there's a Bayern. I think Bayern's the huge. Yeah. Bayern and Real Madrid is major, major movers. Because they are not like Bayern in particular does not have the financial resources that a lot of the other uh, kind of super clubs have. Um, and so they're looking at a world where they keep dominating the German League. But in recent years, they have not been able to keep up in, uh, you know, in, in Champions League competition. So I, I, I get it. There's another way to go, which is you could actually enforce financial fair play. Yeah, you could. Which and I know that's, that's the other half of this conversation that we're going to have next yeah, week. We're going like that to have that conversation next week. Is you can actually punish clubs that have the Sovereign Wealth Fund come in and, you know right. – Purchase a legacy, and another part of the conversation that we will have next week is
0: uh, Der Spiegel's uh, uh, reporting that uh, clubs have been uh, approached by money market funds and these people looking to make money and, and give them loans. Which that is a less important part because it's something that we've been saying has been happening for a while. But we'll discuss that as well. But I, I think what what I what I what I really wanted to get back to uh, is. You know this, this some of the legal questions because ultimately, Evan, I think, and and a couple people were saying this, um, and I think that's one way that that FIFA has actually successfully pushed back is by saying essentially this would be the death of international soccer. Now. I don't think that's true. I don't think the people who would do the Super League think that's true. But FIFA is saying, basically, if you play in the Super League, you would not be permitted to play for your national team, which would be catastrophic. It would be mutually assured destruction, essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's dumb. I also think that it's not going to happen, and I think that it's the wrong tact to take in pushing back into the Super League, right? I I think that the argument really lies in what I was talking about before, which is the effect this would have on the domestic leagues. Like, I think if you get enough, you get the fans, uh, even, you know, a lot of fans are not going to want to face up to their national league becoming insignificant and, like, you know, their domestic league, and I think that's the you know real tact because everybody knows in the end that, and I think in In particular, FIFA is not going to follow through with not having the best players play international soccer. Like I, I think that everybody would be willing to call that bluff
0: yeah and that's that's the thing. It's not the right answer, but there is a question whether they for the first World cup after that happens, they would fight yeah. it and push it. and at that point, there are also questions evan and this is another and and that would prevent the players themselves who really value international football from playing potentially. The other question that I think is really interesting is whether the creation of a super league would void the contracts of the players on their teams basically creating a system of complete free agency. Uh, Yeah. That is a, as far as I can, as far as I'm concerned, that is an unanswered question. Uh, The players have contracts with their teams, but the teams, you know, a lot of the contracts, as far as, as, as Der Spiegel's explaining, some of these contracts are legitimately, uh, do legitimately
1: include requirements that the team play within this league. Yeah. And, you know, I think that what's interesting is that I think a lot of those types of clauses are protections built in against relegation.
0: Yeah. And
1: and they would go the opposite, you know, the the exact opposite direction, potentially, if they left the league to go to what we'll call here, you know, for sake of argument, a higher division. Um, You know, it would have this unintended consequence of maybe triggering these voiding, you know, these escape clauses. Yeah. in these contracts. It it it's interesting. I'm sure it would get litigated about what the actual, you know, intention of those clauses is. Yeah. Um you know, since y- you you could make the argument that, you know, maybe it's ambiguous on its face, it's not clear what it means to, you know, not play in the league anymore, and then you could potentially have a litigation over well, you know, when we were negotiating, what did we say that this clause was going to be?
0: Yeah. All right. That is I think a Pretty solid. Well, I think. Well, go I see there's
1: one. I think I, I just want to throw in oh, one dude, more, go. Point, which is which is the the antitrust point, which is oh uh, yeah 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 yeah. Uh, Let's so, talk about so that. so antitrust law generally requires you know separate businesses to compete with each other. They're not supposed to cooperate. They're supposed to compete, and that's supposed to be good for consumers, right? So yeah, you know you don't want people setting up cartels and monopolies, etc. And sports leagues are always an interesting antitrust case because they're necessarily anti-competitive in the sense that in order for a sports league to happen, a bunch of different businesses, the teams, have to cooperate on all kinds of things, a schedule, rules, uh, this, you know, whatever structure you're going to have for signing, selling, trading players. Like all these things require cooperation that is strictly speaking anti-competitive because otherwise they should be competing in a free market for that. But we allow it because we know we think, you know, as a policy, having a sports league is a good thing overall for consumers. We, you know, this, you know, cooperation is overall benefits consumers more than the cooperation hurts them. But there's always a policy choice in there with respect to these kinds of antitrust exemptions or these decisions about what is good for consumers. Um, and y- you could have an argument that pulling away and making the Super League is just extracting more money out of the consumers without creating any more or, you know, more of a product, which would be soccer, or a better product. And, you know, in this argument, you say, you know, what is being extracted – doesn't outweigh the value of having the new Super League, and we're going to enforce our antitrust regulations against it and, say, and, and nix it and say it can't happen. And I'd have to imagine that the you know the football associations, the local domestic associations, would in a heartbeat bring this lawsuit to try to stop any Super League. Yes, or, I, I don't. I don't actually know if a lawsuit the way it would work in Europe. It might be different, but you we know, would well, seek regulatory they, action. Yeah, and and the way to do
0: it is the I uh, probably the Court of Arbitration for Sport. Right, like, and and taking it through uh, this this built in mechanism that was created to arbitrate sports disputes, and uh, the Court of Arbitration for Sport, by the way, is a internationally recognized body. It's outside and independent of FIFA. Actually, you know what? I can pause this and bring in my wife, who is a arbitrator. Um, if you if you think that's a good idea, um, to quickly break down. Uh, you know, I'll have we'll do it on on, a, on an episode with um, with Ernesto next week. That's what we'll do. But the the question is, would likely go to the court of arbitration for sport, and that's a fascinating one. And uh, I would I'd be fascinated to see the the answer. I don't know what the answer
1: is. I don't know what the uh, uh, I don't know and what, I, what th- how that I would think- come out. And I think, frankly, neither does the league. And I think that that's a a big element of risk in any attempt for the teams to break away um, is is this element of legal risk. You know, are they going to actually get away with it? And if you don't, then the reputational hit you take is pretty huge.
0: Yep. Yes, it is. Um, Next week, we're talking football leagues more – not next week. I mean this weekend. We're talking football leagues. We're talking with Ernesto. We have a lot more to say. I think the best way to to kind of preview that is to just say, as Christoph Winterbach, who was, has been the main kind of out there journalist, uh, you know, the face of this for Der Spiegel, again, this is a consortium of journalists, this is not, as Gabriele Marcotti said, no smoking gun, they're just... It's not just one smoking gun. There are tons of guns and they're all smoking. They're firing everywhere. But I think the the, the overarching motif of the Football League's uh, revelations is, as he said, these revelations are about clubs that, quote, believe the rules should be altered to fit their needs, they are so inflated by success that they can now casually disregard the dictates of their governing bodies, of teams that are too big to fail and beyond control. We'll see you next week, folks.
1: Bring the
0: motherfucking ruckus. Bring the, mother- bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. don't bring- face. Catch the blast of a hype burst. My clock burst. Leaving a hearse. I did worse. I come rook. Like an elephant's up, your head rushed. Fly like Egyptian musk. Oh shit. We tame Clint, spark the wixen However, I mastered a trick just like Nixon. Cause terror, quick damage, your whole era. Hard rocks is locked the fuck up. I found stock yellow style. Hazardous, cause I wreck this dangerous. I blow spots like Waco, Texas. I watch my back like I'm locked down. Hardcore hitting sound, watch me act broke and tear down. Well, you're a tight asshole. Songs going gold, no doubt. And you watch watching Corny make a foe. They faking all that, carrying cats. But your mind playing, rolling like 40 max. Now you act convinced, I guess it makes sense. Wu Chang, yo, so represent. I wait for one to act up. Now I got him backed up. Gun to his neck now, react what? And that's one in the chamber. Wu Chang banger, 36 styles of danger. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Bring the motherfucking ruckus. Wake the, mother, the motherfucking ruckus. The the mother, the mo- the the, 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 mother, the, the so, I whip it. Hardcore like porno flick bitches. I roll with groups of ghetto bastards with biscuits. Check it. My method on the microphone's banging. Wu-Tang slang. I leave your headpiece hanging. Plus this. I'm kicking like Seagull out with justice. The rock miss. Just I'm a really assault with a tooth. Murder one. My style shocks you not like a stun gun. I'm hectic. I'm it with the crew. up MC troops, I break blues and trample shit while well, I stomp a mud hole in that ass cause I'm straight out the swamp, creeping up on sight, that was fright night, my Wu-Tang slang is mad fucking dangerous, and more deadly than the stroke of an axe, chopping through your back. Giving bystanders heart attacks Niggas try to flake Tell me who is them. I blow up this fucking prism Make it a vicious act of terrorism You wanna bring it? So fuck it Come on and bring the rockets Then I provoke niggas to kick buckets I'm wetting cream I ain't wetting fame Who's selling game? I'm giving out a deadly game It's not the Russian, It's the routine Crushing roulette Slip up You get fucked like Suzette. Bring the fucking rockets Bring the motherfucking rockets